I feel pretty free. I'll tell you what. I'm free. I am freed of the yoke of... (laughs) Listen, don't talk about my baby Tommy like that. What? Listen, Tommy goes boom. Be better. I'm actually kind of looking forward to the texts when you read this manuscript. Everybody, Jen does not read my manuscript. I don't. I'm like the only person I know. for it's whom so she true. does not beta read. And that is because I like her not to know how the sausage is made. <laughs> I know how everybody else's sausage gets made, but not theirs. So she does get it early, but she gets it hopefully out of yeah. form, in a form where she's not thinking with her editorial brain. I'm thinking with my like, like... Whatever is inside me that just like cannot wait. Like that little <laughs> that gif of that little girl who's just like about to explode with excitement. That's me. So uh, Imogen and Tommy, you guys are revised. They're they have been written. They have been revised. They are now being copy edited. And when that is done, Jen will get to read the book. And then on August twenty second, you all will get to read the book. So you can pre-order now wherever books are sold. Amazing. So it begins McLean Schilling. You know what? Listen, hey, I'm an editor for hire. Hire me. So now we both <laughs> we both shilled. Welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And this week we're talking about a favorite. Yeah, well, wait. Can we talk oh, wait, about wait, we this? have so many things. We listen, I have a long list of things. I know. We well now discuss. we can have we can actually get back to banter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, first of all, wait, most importantly, new Ted Lasso next week. Oh my gosh, I can't even wait. Everyone, Roy Kem returns. <laughs> I saw Everyone's like, oh a tweet Ted Lasso. That was like, you know, eight more days. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> or however many it is. And I am very Football excited. is life. Football is life. I'm a little worried because, you know, nailing the third book in a trilogy can be tough, but I believe in Ted Lasso. I, think I know, delivering happen. on the end. <laughs> um, I'm a little sad because I, th- I feel from all of the announcements from the cast and the crew that this is, in fact, it. Yeah, like, they are right. done. Yeah. As intended. I, but I am very happy because at the same time, I feel like I've really struck up a very sort of unique and niche friendship with your brother, Eric. <laughs> yes. Yes. Who joined us in season whatever sure. for our first Roy Ken episode to talk about how Ted Lasso is great. As a soccer fan, I would like to just say Trent Krim looks like a real fucking snack. <laughs> the best was there was a scene, you know, like people, you know, like people who I appreciate the keen eye. Uh-huh. Of the people who watch these trailers and then frame by frame, frame by frame. And there was one that was like, Okay, so Nate's a bad guy. Tell me about this assistant coach. <laughs> Did you see that one? Oh, yeah, because he's very handsome. Yes. Yes. It was amazing. So I have always been, you know, kind of not cool. I realize that that's very difficult for everybody listening to this podcast to imagine. But in the sense that, like, when everybody's watching Game of Thrones, I'm not watching Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, I came to Mad Men like four years later and was like, this is a great show. And everyone was like, we're done with that now. Right. So done. What I love, honestly, is being really like in it. Here I am in the heart of it. Well, and you know me when it comes to TV shows. I'm never that. I'm just as excited as everyone else on Ted Lasso Twitter. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. Listen, I know that Jen, this is the one thing, this is where Jen and I split part ways as faded mates. But like, I really am Ted, Rebecca, Endgame, and I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to see how this all 
turns I out. I don't know that I'm against it, but I wouldn't care if it didn't happen. I mean, happen. I'm not going to be sense? mad if it yeah, doesn't happen. Right. But, like, do I want to see two hands people smash? Yeah. <laughs> also, that church episode last. Yeah, it was so season good. where it was so clear that the two of them had basically like had had like the same kind of trauma and in, in this mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah, faded mates, faded mates. Speaking of um, handsome people smashing, mm. how about this Apple TV movie with Chris? We should just do it. We should be an Apple. We're like we're now an Apple podcast. Hey, uh, Steve Jobs, sponsor us. He's dead, Anymore. Sarah. I know. What's his name? <laughs> I was going to Tim Kane sponsor us, not Tim Kane either. Tim Cook. I got there. I got there, everyone. He is, they're going to look down at the list. I actually am curious about this technology. So if anyone knows how this works, let me know. How do they know that we are explicit every week? Like, I'm really curious. Wait, we're like, ta- we tag ourselves. Jen. Oh, is that how it works? Eric tags I was us. like, I was like, how do they know? Is there some I know. filter that's like, oh, she said fuck. Because all the, there have been these discussions about whether or not we should be cleaner on the Ted Lasso episodes so that yes. maybe Apple would then promote those Ted Lasso episodes to the world. And yeah. I say, hell no, we have our people. We have a very specific audience and we write for it. Yes, it, that's exactly. There's no point chasing someone else's audience. Let everyone else come or not come, everyone. This new Apple movie coming out in April is called Ghosted. It is my pure, like, it is like if they distilled yes. my full id right into, into a, movie. a movie, it would be this. The only thing I really worry about, I will be honest, is I'm not quite sure that Andy has enough. Like, at some point, all of this... Andy Christopher? Yeah, like, too much Chris is gonna maybe... Too many Chris's. Yeah, is she going to be able to handle it, right? Too many Chris's. The story, it's the Andy Christopher story. I don't remember this guy's last name. It's in her name. Name is Destiny. Yeah, Chris. Which Chris is this? Chris Pine. This is Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Right, sorry. He's difficult to see for me, but I did see him in this trailer. And the reason why is because he plays (laughs) a a very good boy. He's like, it's a romantic gesture. It's really, it looks terrific. He's like a really sweet guy. Who meets a girl who seems like a very nice girl, and they have a really lovely time, and he's clearly a hopeless romantic because he says she could be the one, and she tells his parents all—he tells his parents all about her. Which, and they're like, you met her once. Like, what's up yeah, with you? Calm down. But then she ghosts him, and instead of him being like, oh, bummer, he flies to London to find her, which— he keeps saying it's a romantic gesture, it's, and it, it is. is in film and books. Don't do this in real life, gentlemen. If you're listening, if you've come to us through the Ted Lasso episode, <laughs> yes, it's not it exactly. However, and then he gets there, and then he gets sort of kidnapped and wrapped up in a thing, and it turns out she's a CIA agent, and it's bad news bears from there on out. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be awesome and exciting. And there are a lot of beautiful people doing beautiful blowing up of things. My entire brand. And so Jen and I are in. We're going to use that special. There's a special Apple tool yes. that you can where you can watch things at a distance. Yet the same and that's time. that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Because we're not going to be together when this comes out. Because we're going to be together oh. in New York. For Look at me. Look at me. Segwaying. You're right back in your game. I am. I'm back. Faded Meets Live, everyone. 
March 24th in Brooklyn, New York. Jen and I, Adriana Herrera, Andy Christopher, Joanna Shoup, Mila Finelli, and new to the program, Tessa Bailey. Super excited. Very exciting. We're all going to be live on stage at the William Vale uh, Hotel, in which we're told is very nice. I don't know. Everybody I say it to is like, oh, that's nice. Well, here's the funny part. I So one of my all-time favorite students is named Julia, and she's like 30 now. But, you know, I taught her when she was 13, and um, she and her husband lived in lower Manhattan, and now they're in, like, Singapore. And every once in a while, we'll just, like, text. I'll be like, how are you doing? What's going on? I'm so proud of her. She's a school counselor now. Anyway, and so I was like, yeah, we're doing Faded Mates Live at the William Vale Hotel. And she was like, ooh, she said, that's a scene. And I was like, oh, dear. I mean, we're 40-some-odd-year-old ladies. We're we're ripe for a scene. You know what I keep thinking about? Oh, God. I really keep thinking about how are we going to vet the bartenders? <laughs> like, oh, my God. Like, Listen. these are going to be two people in the room who really have no art, they're, you know, going in. coming in blind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like, so that'll be interesting and exciting. I think you're going to have to all be going Be really back kind to, to the bartenders, everyone. And then reporting back. Like, um, But most importantly, if you're listening to this and going, well, I like a scene and I like Jen and Sarah and I like bartenders who are... And I like being in New York for the... Ambushed. Um, <laughs> you can get tickets. There are a handful of them left. Yeah. We've just released, actually, this week, an extra block of tickets, yeah. the final block, um, because we had held it back for lots of reasons. Now we are releasing it to you. So there are maybe 25 more tickets as of today. And uh, have at it. Have at it, team. Also, we are giving a present to the person who comes the furthest. So yes. if you are, say, Julie in Singapore, sure, you Julia. could win a prize. Come back and see me. It would be amazing. It's going to be great. We're super excited. Super excited. So that's that. Is that all the banter we have for, for our people? I think so. Okay, so... This week's topic, everyone, is masquerades. Masquerade. I almost can't believe we haven't done it before. I know. Well, you just said to me earlier that you like musicals. You must like The Phantom of the Opera. So I've been thinking a lot about The Phantom of the Opera lately, and here's why. Is it because of Gerard Butler? No. It has nothing to do with Gerard <laughs> Butler, believe it or not. You know how you somehow stumble across something that's, like, several years old, but you've never seen it before? So I was listening to Kelly Clarkson, and I was listening to, like, a Spotify playlist. I was like, this is, you know, this is Kelly Clarkson. And there was a really beautiful version of, I guess, was it All I Ask of You? Is that the name of the, the you know? Oh, that's the ballad. Yeah, with sure. her and Josh Groban. Oh, who is, you know... Terrific. I'm she's, about to see Josh Groban in Sweeney Todd this week. She's terrific. And it's really beautiful. And it was funny because as I was listening, there's this one line in that song where he, it's, um, okay, I'm like spacing out on the line, right? Like I'm kept to singing in my head, but it's basically like, you know, anywhere you go, like, let me go too. And I was like, this is the high I am chasing in every romance novel, the way that line makes me feel. Yeah. So I have been, I listened to it a couple times. I put it on a playlist I have, which is called Mood Mellow, which I really like, which like chills me out ever so slightly. 
And I was thinking about the Phantom of of the Opera, and you know what? That's a really weird fucking play. (laughs) Yes, it is. Like, how was that? But it's also a book, too, isn't it? Isn't it based on a book? I don't know. I'm sure. Everybody, now people are yelling at their radios right now. But, like, seriously, when you think about it, you're like, how is this? But I was also thinking, you know, there was a whole— It's a retelling of that Disney movie. Not a Disney movie. The Hunchback of Notre Dame, isn't it? I was going to say the Hunchback. (laughs) Sure. I mean, isn't it like the same basic story? Sure. I guess not really. I don't, I think so, whatever. But I was thinking also about, um, okay, a movie I loved also from around that time when the Phantom of the Opera was Ascendant was Amadeus, right? About Mozart. That movie is such a fucking banger. Yeah. It's so great. It's so good. And I was thinking the whole part where he is like basically like, dressing in the domino with like you know like yes. trying to convince him he's insane yes. so i kind of feel like maybe you and i are steeped in this macro masquerade business because of like some big pop culture things yeah. right from when we were teenagers so phantom of the opera came out when we were teenagers uh, yep. when i was like in middle school yeah so that was the early 90s yeah which was when i think i was reading these giant historicals that we're doing math grades. Yeah. Because honestly, when we picked this topic, I was like, yes, obviously I can name 12 math grade books without even thinking. And then of course I had that thing that we always do where I'd never read a book before. Yes. Um, and then I was like, no, but really, where's the masquerade that installed the following buttons? And I have several of them. Sure. I think this is the fun part, right? Because it's like, what are the different levers it presses? Yeah. There's like dreaming of you. I mean, it's <laughs> the for sure dreaming of you. Sure. Right. Except in dreaming of you, there is a missing piece. That is not the full button for me. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. You guys, we're not going to spend any time talking about dreaming of you on this, but obviously because it's not a dreaming of you podcast. <laughs> Not until, unless it's February 4th. Every, uh, you guys, also, we've noticed, I've noticed that a bunch of people blocked us on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure it's because we talk too much about Derek Craven. That's what I said to Jen this week. Or they just think we're annoying. Some people don't love joy. What do, we, what do you want me to do? About I don't know what there? to say. This is because I'm not on Twitter anymore, so now when I go on Twitter, I'm on the Faded Mates account, which I'm sure drives Jen a slightly crazy because I'm, like, fucking with our notification. Like, Sarah's not on Twitter, except she secretly is on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Twitter right now is so broken that who the fuck knows what's going on. Uh, yeah. Derek Craven. We're not going to talk about Derek Craven, but there is a masquerade in Derek Craven. But what does not happen in that masquerade in Derek Craven is the one thing that I think mean is the most important, is the deepest install yeah. for me, which is he knows it's her immediately. Yeah. Or, I mean, she knows it's him immediately, but really it's the other way around for me. Right. Yeah. Because Dreaming of You really plays with that. Instead, he doesn't recognize he her. He really doesn't know. Matilda. So there are two kinds of masks. So here's where I'm going to... Let's begin. There are, I think, three buckets that these okay. books fall in. One bucket is what I will refer to as the Fifty Shades throwaway. Yes. Okay. Where there is a masquerade, but who the fuck cares? Yeah. It's just like... It's just, where do we... It's do. like, where do we send these characters for this next scene? I know it'll yeah. be a masquerade because that's sexy. Right. Sure. But everyone knows who everyone else is. It's not a surprise. Then there's the mask is involved 
And no one knows who it is. Right. And by no one, I mean the other heroes slash heroine. The protagonist. Right. The other love interest, right. Yeah, the protagonists do not know who is behind the mask. And then there is... There is a mask, and the protagonists absolutely know who is behind the mask. Corollary. Yeah. And they don't say that they know, which is great. There's also, and they say they know, which is a separate thing. I also enjoy neither of them know, and they fucking hate each other. Oh, yeah, that's a good one, too. That's a good one, too, right? So now we're at five. I was wrong. It's not Listen, three, it's five. You can do whatever you want with the best grade. That's why. <laughs> Unless you're Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman and Eyes Wide Shut, that was no more. That was is not good. No, very unsettling movie for me. I actually have a working theory. Would you like to hear it? Yes, please, always. I love your theories. <laughs> the reason Masquerades kind of like died. Oh, because of, of that. that movie. I really do. I think like it was all pushing towards this moment, and then it was like, oh, and, and then it was it like, oh, Kubrick, you ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> So that's my theory. And then, like, I think it's slowly coming back. Slowly coming back. But, yeah, that's my theory. Okay. Think, so also I think Sia is maybe bringing it back. Because she's of real, her hair? I mean, I just think it's really nutty the way, like, she doesn't ever, you don't ever see her face. And, like, we saw her in concert, if I told you the story. Mm-mm. And she, like, stood in the back of the of stage. The- and sang, and then other people were up, like, doing stuff on stage. Oh, my stage. God, that's kind of great. It was awesome. It was fantastic. It's like some real Thomas Pynchon shit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. In a, yeah in Listen, Miss- I don't even know if Thomas Pynchon can write a good book. I'm just fascinated by him. Yeah. Like, I've read all, I've read several Thomas Pynchon books. I'm not going to say all because, you know, who knows. But, uh, yeah, I'm fascinated by him. Yeah. Because he, no one knows what he looks like. Yeah, and that was it. So it was just like this really like, and Mr. Reed Rummets was like, we should go see Sia. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I think it's going to be real weird and real fun. And it was. That's super so, fun. I wish I had known that. You should have told me that because I would totally do that with Eric. Yeah. Well, if she ever comes back, it was real wild. She's so. also not as young as one imagines. Yeah. Well, she can join the podcast then. No. <laughs> All right. Fine. That's fine. We'll get Sia as an opener. Yeah, exactly. See ya. Come on over. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Cassie Mint, author of The Stranger. Speaking of masquerades, Sarah, a masquerade book. It's a masquerade book, and it's a contemporary, which is terrific. I love it. We only had that one. So check this out. Sophia Morales is. You know, she's got this man she has her eye on. Uh-huh. I'm sure you're shocked to hear all about it. Uh, his name is Beckett Yates. Uh-huh. The problem is, is that Beckett is her brother's arch rival. What? And so they can't be together, but once... Not unless they're wearing masks. Exactly. Once a year at a masquerade ball, she gets to, like, spend the night in his arms. They, You know, he doesn't recognize her. We love that. She knows it's him. He has no idea. So they just, like, dance the night away. And she... Because she knows if he knew who she was, he would not want anything to do with her. So she's just like, I'll be in the Mysterious Stranger. I'll have this one night every year. But... Oh, boy. It's going to get messy. Exactly. So if you are all about insta-love, brother's rival, forbidden romance, secret identity, then you should definitely check Sign out The Stranger. You can get The Stranger in ebook from Amazon or with a monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. 
Or, as always, you can find it in print wherever you get your print books. Thanks to Cassie Mint for sponsoring this week's episode. One of my favorite masquerade books is a contemporary. And I would like you to admire oh, me for that. Now that's something. Why don't we begin there? Okay. It is not Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Although, um... Or no. Let, yeah, no. I don't really want to talk about it. Except <laughs> that, like, in the movie... I don't know. Has anybody ever noticed, like, the scene in the movie before where he puts in the Benoit He's... balls or whatever? And she's wearing this beautiful lingerie. It's gorgeous. And then in the next scene, she has this, like, really sexy, slinky silver dress on. That... It's a silk dress. Yeah. You can't wear well, lace and the corsetry. Whole, the whole... Like neckline, I was like, "Well, my problem with that that underwear for no reason." Listen, since we're in it, we're in it now. My problem with that scene is that his bow tie. And listen, (laughs) if you love this movie, forward, fast forward thirty seconds because I'm about to ruin it. You won't unsee this. His bow tie is made for a child. It's tiny wee. In fact, we're probably going to ruin it anyway because I'm going to suggest. I'm going to make it be the video. Listen, I, I'll ruin anything for anybody. Fine. Anyway, so, you know, if you're doing this, just make sure you articulate the size of a man's boat. Yes. Right. But yeah, anyway, it's it's a silly scene, but whatever. OK, the the contemporary I have and it is really a, like a favorite book of mine. It's called Moonlight Scandals by Gem- Jennifer Armentrout. I am sure. Oh, I, I love am, those books. Yeah, I love these books. I wish she wrote more contemporary, honestly. Yeah, I, I and I feel like it's like a real like has a real modern gothic feel, which I feel like enough don't enough people don't really fool around with that. You know, there's kind of some ghosts happening, but, like, mm-hmm. this book really, like, leaned into, like, the creepy kind of New Orleans, Spanish sure. moss everywhere feeling. So the heroine's name is Rosie, and she is a ghost hunter. And the hero is this, you know, dirtbag billionaire, Devlin DeVincent. And he's the oldest son, and this is, like, the third book in the series, and you kind of have been waiting for these two to get together. And... Here's the part that I liked about it. This is, like, really a book about class differences. And she, um, every year there's this annual charity masquerade at this, like, really spectacular French Quarter mansion. And there's, like, no way to get into this thing if you're just, like, a regular person. Right. But her bestie, um, it, like, breaks up with her boyfriend or fiancé and so says, like, do you want to come with me? I have this extra ticket. And um, so... Rosie gets in, right? And she is so excited. Like, she's like, and she's excited not because it's going to be, like, a scene, but because this mansion is famously haunted. Oh, yeah. So she's like, I'm going to sneak away from the masquerade and go up there and, like, see if I can figure out what's going on in this haunted room. It's also really funny. She recog- They recognize each other, so it doesn't have quite the, but he's like, what are you doing here? Like, are you stalking me or whatever? And, um... There's this really funny line where she thinks most men were, she's like, he's so handsome. And most, most men were handsome when they wore a mask. And I just like <laughs> made me laugh. So anyway. It's, but that's not, that's not incorrect. Listen, see also beards. Yes. Because Eminem, very different very. with and without the beard. So, you know, it's all. Yeah. So she sneaks upstairs and he is like, what's she doing? She's this, you know. 
what, you know, what's she up to? And he follows her. And then, of course, they almost have sex in the haunted room. And it's terrific. And I just thought it was like a really effective. I really love this book. Um, I just love the vibe of it. And I really love like he is such a stick in the mud and she is like a really free spirited. And I, I don't even know if I would call it like grumpy sunshine exactly. But there is a way in which the chemistry between these two is just very spectacular. And I love the masquerade as being this, like, moment where, like, they really see each other, right? Instead of instead of it being them hiding from each other. And it's real hot. And they almost make out in a haunted room. Haunted New Orleans mansion. Amazing. I mean, <laughs> listen, no note. No notes. That's right. Are there ha- are are there ghosts in that moment? Uh, I believe they're interrupted by some strange doings on, but I don't. Nice, That's good. I like it. Well, listen. So here's my deal about masks, and I think we've done disguises before, so yeah. we've sort of covered a little. We've we've covered a little ground with masks, but Matt, obviously, anybody who reads my books knows that I love a disguise. Like I love a double identity. I like. Every single one of my series has somebody in disguise. Um, And that is because romance is fundamentally about identity. Yes. It is about who we feel we are in the world, who we feel the world believes us to be, and who we are authentically with whoever it is that we fall in love with. Yeah. Right? We are made better by... Love, we are made more authentic and more real by love, right? By virtue of being in a partnership. So what I love about the mask on page is the ability of the character to be in hiding and also at the same time in their truest form. Right. Right? Right. It's also why I love an epistolary novel, right? Because in text... Like in letters and, you know, text messages and all of that stuff, you are able to both hide and be authentic. And there's something really powerful about that because masks traditionally are designed for people to be able to remove the strictures of society, right? Yes. There's always, I mean, I've written many masks in my books. um, And the often I'll do like a, a costume ball. And, like, right. the idea is, you know, you can sort of see Marie Antoinette, like, sort of, like, running by with, like, <laughs> right. you know, I don't know, a person dressed as a farmer or whatever. And so, and who knows who they are? And then, of course, in the traditional and sort of long-standing tradition of regencies and masks at midnight, although it's not just regencies because isn't this how the Mask of the Red Death goes? Like, at midnight, the clock strikes and they take their masks off. Right. And, like, reveal who they are and you know who you've been dancing with, who you've been flirting with, who, you know. There's something really magical about the idea that something so simple could literally change. Yes. The way you you are. everything, right? You see and are seen. So, but... I want to talk about, since you started with contemporary, I want to talk about Kristen Callahan's Firelight, which is not contemporary. It yeah. is, uh, like, steampunk. I'm 
Her Darkest London series is a steampunk series. It is yes. so good. great. If you have if you have ever thought about steampunk, steampunk is the kind of merging of like a, a kind of futuristic technology with a historical vibe. Uh-huh. Is that how we would describe somebody who is steampunky? But like yeah. the technology is looks like it's from the past, but it's kind of from from the future. You know, often there are like leather goggles and shit, but right. they like <laughs> let you. Yes. They're ex- they give you X-ray vision, right? right like it's right. Sort of a kind of it's, such it's an, an aesthetic thing, right? Yeah. And I don't. I actually don't know very much about steampunk. I don't know where it comes from, or you know. And there are obviously many, many authors who write steampunk, and many, many like there's so much steampunk fic, and there's uh-huh. lots out there. And somewhere out there, someone out there is saying like, "Sarah, you're such an idiot. You're describing it all wrong." And please correct us, and we'll you know fix it. But um. Kristen wrote this really great series, Darkest Lon- London. It's like gothic, steampunky. Each of the each of the heroines in this series has a gift that's elemental. So, you know, one of them can move metal and one of them has like, you know, can right. control water. And Miranda can control fire. And this is really valuable when you're talking about a city that's basically made of wood and is going to burn. It's, it's set it in London. Bad. Like, yes. it's like, I mean... So fire's bad, and she can manage it. And so the hero is Lord Benjamin Archer, and he lives his whole life behind a mask, a literal mask, because he has, um, he's he was in a fire, he was scarred by yeah. fire, and um, he like has this, and so he wears mask a la Phantom of the Opera. In fact, like very similar, clearly inspired yes. by Phantom of the Opera. Um, so he is, the way that this whole series is set up is there is always a curse. It is often a curse that ha- that is on the hero. The hero yeah. sort of is broken in some way and cursed. And the heroine's magic is required in order for him to survive in many cases and also thrive. Here's the problem. Miranda has no interest in getting married. She has no interest in in being attached to this guy who it doesn't matter at all to her that like he's masked but what matters to her is that he's a fucking asshole <laughs> so, yes um but he can't help like he can't help himself he senses that she has this power he believes that this power can ultimately impact himself his family his world and he, he steals her a la phantom of the opera to mm. a la beauty and the beast like the it's a it. very classic. Yeah. Um, you know, he's cursed. He's he has this, he lives his life like masked and uh, tucked away from the world. He steals her to essentially use her gift and to manifest love and yeah. or to I'm sorry, to manifest like all the things that he desires in the world. That series and is so what good. he gets is love. <laughs> Amazing. And then it tees up, the best thing about this book is it tees up the rest of the series. Yeah, and um, they're kind of like, there's like a big bad guy or something. I can't really quite remember, but they're definitely like, yeah. It's almost like a little paranormal, like, it, Well, it is. All, all steampunk kind of is right? paranormal, right, in yeah. some way. And in this particular case, because they all have special powers, it really does feel... Well, this this way, like but this one Avengers has like assemble. magic demons. There is like a secret society. There's um, and then like 
what's fascinating is as they progress, you can see Kristen being more and more confident about taking the finger. So as it moves forward, yeah. the partnerships become less and less viable in the sense that, like, you know, by the book three, I think it is, like, the heroine has literally put a curse on the hero that is killing him. And she, her, she is able to move metal. And her, um, like, literally he needs her to be with him yeah. to survive, even though they fucking hate each other. So it's just a great series, start to finish. If you're looking for something really different, I feel yeah. like right now that's how I'm feeling about reading is like, I want the different stuff. Like if you were looking for Undertaking of Heart and Mercy, like at the end of the year last year, try this series, Darkest London, because it, it'll it do it's the really job. Good. And it begins with a masked hero, which is pretty great. I was really diving into which of the Maiden Lane series by Elizabeth Hoyt. I have one on my list, too. So this whole series really plays with this because a lot of the heroes are, or heroines, are essentially, like, out on the street, like, doing, not crimes, but, like, kind of, like, superhero-type stuff, right? Mm -hmm. like, and they're being masked as they, like, go out, like, winter make peace, right? Well, there's a... And then, there's a massive... It's basically... So when she pitched a series originally, like, back in the day, a million years yeah. ago... She pitched to all of us that it was announced as Batman, but make it Victorian. Yeah, yeah. Or so, not Victorian. It's set in the 1700s. So yeah, that one is whatever Thief that of, is. With the one from Winter Make Peace is Thief of Shadows, right? So he's like by day, uh, you know, isn't he know. a priest? Something like he like Vicar. runs an not orphanage or some. He yeah. runs an orphanage or something, you know. Real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at night he's out, you know, being Batman. So the and one. The, the character shifts over the course of the series. Oh, yeah, right. Like series. The it's almost like, you know What's how, like, name? there's a different James Bond or whatever. It's like that. The I don't remember. Um, I don't remember the name of the character. Duke of Pleasure, though, there's an actual masquerade. And that one is with Hugh and Alf. Mm -hmm. And the thing that is, like, this one kind of plays up into is they're kind of essentially going to go undercover and, you know, do some catting around or whatever and uh -huh. she for a lot of the book has been dressed like a boy uh -huh. or, right and so this is the first time he sees her in like a spectacular gown so uh -huh. really right plays into that i whole, love like, it he has never seen her before the way he sees her when but she does know she, it's her yeah well they go together right and oh. so it's like kind of like no one will ever recognize you because you'll be dressed you know, like in full like a lady, gown, like a lady. So plays around with that whole thing. I love it. Um, but yeah, I would just say in general, I think that whole entire series is really doing some work with yeah. masks and masquerades and all that stuff. Well, so I didn't have a. I I said I had a maiden lane. I didn't have a maiden lane. I do have an Elizabeth Hoyt. Okay. Um, because I think Elizabeth, oh God, she just she can really write. Yeah. And when I found her, I mean, that's The Raven Prince is my book. And yeah. it is it is the book that I think of as it's maybe the book that sort of inspired me to write romances. Mm -hmm. Like oh, as wow. a as a like a real grown up. Thing. Like when yeah. I was a grown up, like when I read that, I thought, oh, you can do you can do it this way. And I'm not saying that 
Elizabeth and I are read-alikes, but I think that we both come to the texts with a sensibility of, like, being really interested in darkness yeah. in a way that, like, prior to Elizabeth coming on the scene, like, there were that that those characters didn't didn't really exist a ton outside of somebody like Derek Raven, right? Yeah. Like, um, and what she started to do was really dig into kind of the the site. Her characters have like a really in many ways, I mean, we are not the same in the in this way, but her characters are very have very traumatic experiences yeah. that they are working through. Her heroes are brick walls it uh you know <laughs> that have to be torn down yeah um the raven prince which i don't know if it's her debut but it is remarkable and i've always thought of it as her debut yeah um is the first in the prince series there are three like the raven prince the serpent prince the leopard prince um she is her hallmark is that she tells a fairy tale over the course of a book in these books yes um and the fairy tale always like kind of vaguely represent something that's going on in the book. Um, but the Raven Prince has a very cruel hero, um, a really classic old-school yes. hero. Yes. So, and his name is the Earl of Swartingham, and he's terrifying. He's he's run off a bunch of secretaries um, who at the time were men. Um, but, like, no one wants to work for him because he's terrible. He's really mean, and he's really cold, and he's very exacting, and he expects a very certain kind of thing from his secretaries, and he can't keep one. Um, there's a widow in the village that is on his land. Um, she needs money, and she needs money bad. And uh, she decides that she is going to apply to become the Earl's secretary. And when she goes and meets him, there's sort of a back and forth and a mistake, like a little bit of a miscommunication, and then boom, she's his secretary. Um, she is immediately drawn to him, and she knows, and she discovers at, in her through the course of her secretarying that he is uh, a member of a very notorious sex club. In London. Of course. And he go called Aphrodite's Grotto. <laughs> of course. And he, I mean, is there a better name for a sex club? No. I defy no you to find one. <laughs> so, um, so she's like, well, I'm a widow. And like, I know what sex is. And I have needs. And also, I would like to ride this horse. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And so she goes to Aphrodite's Grotto in a sort of very, you know, like kind of alternate universe way to Sarah from Suddenly You. Like she goes there yeah. and she's like, I want Transform. to experience this. She goes to the madam of the brothel and she says, um, I want to do this and I want to be with him. And the madam's like, are you sure? And yes. And she puts on a mask and that makes her invisible to him. Yes. And she goes into the room, and this is, he is sitting in a chair in the corner of the room, and it is one of the hottest sex <laughs> scenes ever in my head, because yeah. it is so intense. And he doesn't know who she is. 
I can't love it when they don't know. See and it. And then they can't like, write see that it. real. I mean, it's like, I can't believe we haven't mentioned Cinderella yet. Right? Like, right. So she's going to take off. And then it's like, where is she? I got yeah. under. Oh, I love it's that. It's so great. Because then he's like obsessed with her. Yeah. And he's like, I have to get back to her. Right? Like, I have to, I have to. Love, I have to find her again. Yeah. And so they meet again and again and again. And her rule is, like, you can't take my mask off. And, oh, it's so hot because it's just, it breaks you as a reader as it is breaking her. She is a widow secretary. She cannot marry an earl. Like, she cannot be a countess. No. No. Um, And simultaneously, this is all happening, like, then they're also kind of like weirdly falling for each other in real life. Yeah. Which is making me think, Jen, that I think part of how this button was installed for me, and this is a different episode, is also Highwaymen. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Oh, like we should do a Highwaymen episode. We should just read The Raider. <laughs> do you yes. remember The Raider? Oh, God. Where he's jealous of himself. Listen, there's nothing better than he's jealous, jealous of, himself. of himself is my like full catnip. Yeah, it's true. I do. I feel like there was so much. You know, it's funny when you look back and you kind of think like, what were those big sweeping arcs? And I do. I feel like there was so much like masquerades and highwaymen and, you know, like my real identity is hidden. Oh, this stuff's so good. Mm hmm. I mean, because now what we say is like, oh, it's so dramatic. And like, no, it's so unbelievable. Like, no. No, it's it. delicious. It was stop. amazing. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. I want some more. My bowl. Exactly. So anyway, that's uh, the ra- the Elizabeth Hoyt section gotcha. of the podcast. Okay. So Erica Ridley, historical romance author Erica Ridley, has an entire series, the Rogues to Riches series. And I think I've not read all of them. But some of them, and I think all of them, uh, kind of at some point take place at this one, you know, feckless aristocrat has a weekly masquerade ball. Like, this guy is really down. Nice. He is hosting every week this masquerade ball. And um, so I, because I have no fear, went and dove right in at number seven of seven which is Lord of the Masquerade, which is when the guy who is running the masquerades meet, like, finally falls in love, right? Uh-huh. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to start at the end, everybody. I know some of you out there are like, no, I have to read in order. I'm sorry for you. <laughs> so in this book, um, Lord of the Masquerade, which I don't know if you've ever read an Erica Ridley book. They're quite propulsive. Like, I yeah. think she really knows the job and you just, like, get right into it. Yep. The name of the aristocrat is the Duke of Lam- Lambley. And he essentially, the book opens with him, you know, like essentially like, oh, so here's what it's so great, honestly. Everyone is called, everyone at the masquerade comes in, you know, in a mask. And when they are greeted, they are, um, it's like Madam X or Lord X. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like they'll come and and the thing is, is like they all enter and are announced like they would be. Right. But it's like Lord X and everyone's like cheering and that's like Lady X. So, you know, like all of the pomp and circumstance sure. 
but none of the um none of the you know like everybody's hidden except yeah. for Lambley himself. He is the only one who ever just like walks around with his face out. And tell me he does not ever match with anyone. So he will like hit it with people, but he it's like, you know, like a But quick it's little, never like it's never serious. until Tell me about her, Jen. Her name is Unity Thorne. And she is a makeup artist. This is great. She's a makeup artist. What a cool idea. Yeah. So she's a makeup artist at like a London theater. And she has actually helped two different men turn their like businesses into successes. But she doesn't. Well, the first guy really fucked her over and she didn't get a part of it. The second guy was like. You know, I'm going to pay you out because you did all this work for me. But she's like, I'm tired of helping these men. I have my great uh-huh. own idea for my own masquerade club. Which she, her whole idea is like, I'm going to like build it myself. It'll be like these masquerade like kind of rooms. People will want to come. And but she's like, I kind of need to see the best of it to like get some ideas. So she like walks herself up to the front door of the Duke of Lambley's house, knocks on the door. and. The butler opens and is like, hello, may I help you? And she's like, I'm here to see the Duke. And he's like, may I have your card? And she's like, snap. <laughs> and she just like walks away. She doesn't have a card. Right. And she's like, I don't know what's going on. Okay. I love it. Like, right. And the whole time she's like, Lambly won. And he like doesn't even know she exists. The second time around, she goes to the back of the house and she's like, I'll get a job as a maid. Right. She knocks on the door and she's like, I'm here for a position. And they're like, we don't have any positions open. And she's like, what? Like, what kind of household <laughs> does have positions open? Right. So she is like, like the whole thing is so great. So she basically finally gets in to see the Duke and and tells him, let me like just like kind of observe and I'll I'll tell you if you are missing anything. And he's basically like. What do you mean if I'm missing anything? It's perfect. The masquerades are perfect. Mm -hmm. But he loves her little eye. and She's asking him all these questions. And so anyway. I love it. It's terrific. And I feel like now I could go back and probably scoop up six more masquerades while I'm at it. So it was really, really, really fun. I love it. Yeah. I feel like we have to talk about Joanna Shoops, The Bride Goes Rogue. Yes. Which um, is delightful because... Uh, the hero and heroine of <laughs> in classic Joanna fashion. So this one, the heroine, Catherine, is like a, in her mid-20s, and she's sort of like delightful. She's she's flighty and romantic, and she has she has no interest in sort of doing anything that is serious, or she's, right. she's like daisy- from Greg Gatsby, like a beautiful little <laughs> fool, right? Um, she has absolutely no interest in like getting married. And that's really great because yeah. she has, and she's been engaged for years, I wanna say, to this like hard hearted, like ice cold, oh, like yeah. only interested in money, Preston Clark. Um, and Preston, and this is, you know, Joanna Shoup's, like, pure catnip here, right? It's a great setup. They are supposed to get married, um, but they're engaged. And, right. But living totally separate lives. And then they both get invited to a masquerade at Madison Square Garden, which is not a place where the New York Knicks play. <laughs> in, 
The sure. New York Knickerbockers do not play at that Madison Square Garden. <laughs> they get invited to a Madison Square Garden like masquerade. And um, he, they go, and they're both masked, and they each meet oh, wow. a masked person who is a fucking delight. He is, if the, this, this, the pacing of this, the POV of this piece of the book yeah. is great because we are in his POV first. Right. Well, yeah. do, have you said the fact that he breaks up with her? And so she's like, fuck it, I'm going to go find myself a man. No, I didn't say that. But yes, <laughs> it's an important part. So basically, like, yeah. Go ahead. So he shows up and he's like, because something happens. Like his family loses everything or whatever and he doesn't want anything. And then he, and then, and so he agrees to the marriage. And then like he's super rich and is basically like, I don't have to marry her anymore because I don't need her money. Right. And so he does break up with her. And she's like, hang on a second. Like we had a I've deal. Been yeah. Largely that like she doesn't really worry about it. Yeah. For right. a while. And then, you know, so they both go to this masquerade, and he gets, like, one look at her, and then, like, a taste of her, like, personality, and they, like, are witty and bantery, and it's, you're in his POV first, and he's like, oh, I want this woman, right? And he's a fucking billionaire tycoon. Yes. He's a robber baron, like... When he wants something, he wants it. Like, he yes. takes it. It's his. He's like, I want this. And she then it switches to her POV, and she's like, oh, I want this. Yeah. And they, neither of them know that the I other is. Neither, yeah. And they smash, and it is hot. <laughs> it's great. It is great. A-plus work, everybody. Well, and you're, and then you know they they're gonna go their separate ways, and then he figures it out that yep. it's her, and it's just like, kaboom. what is going on? Yeah, McCree Queen. <laughs> like, everything like, he thought was true, yes, is false. Oh, I love that. That's so good. And she's like, "You are terrible, and I hate you, but also I love you and want to smash." Yeah. What shall we do? Um. I have lots of club books. I just want to, like, kind of name yeah, some right. club books. Sophie Jordan wrote an entire series set in a club. Yeah. Um, it begins with All the Ways to Ruin a Rogue, and then it goes from there, I think. Um, that's the first book, I think. And it, it, each one has a club. Everybody's masked in the club. Um, I have written, I don't know how many, honestly, a lot yeah. of masquerade books. But um, what I will say is that there are two that really deliver on the catnip of my dreams, which is, I hope they deliver on the catnip of my dreams. Uh, the first is One Good Earl Deserves a Lover. Mm-hmm. And the second is um, Daring and the Duke. And both of those have situations where one of them is wearing a mask, thinking they are hiding from the other. Yes. In both cases, it is the heroine wearing a mask thinking that she is hiding from the hero, and he takes one look at her and knows exactly who she is, and then just toys with her. And by toys with her... is so good. In Daring and the Duke, I mean, he goes down on her (laughs) very well in a gazebo for, like, a while. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I have work to do down here. (laughs) He's like, I can't take your mask off. No problem. No problem. I'll just work down here. (laughs) 
That's so wrong. Oh, my God. By the I way, mean, he's so been, I mean, he's been in love with her for his entire life. Yeah. Yes. True. Yeah. True. I mean, he literally has. Yes. Yeah. Literally his whole life. His entire life. Like, yes, <laughs> it's true. That's true. Uh, so what else is a man to do? That's it. That's what you do. Yeah, I don't... That was it. You know, it's funny because I was really trying... I think you and I both had the same thought, which was like, should I try and go back and figure out yeah. which Julie Garwood or which Joanna Lindsay or which, you know... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, 100% sure, for example, that there is one by um, Jane Ann Krentz in those... that. In right, the rabbit. Yes. Yeah. There must be. It I must know be. there is. I can literally picture the mask on yeah. the cover. But, you know, it was funny because then I really decided, well, what do these look like now? Right? Like, how does this? And, and I was I was really delighted to, f- the Erica Ridley book I read, I read for the episode. And I was really delighted by it because it felt, you know, it's that same thing where it's like when you're reviving like an old beloved trope how to make it fresh, how to make it new. And, like, the whole idea of, like, the masquerade, like, right, the man who's, like, running the masquerade, finally getting his own HEA at the end. And I also have to say, I do very much appreciate air dropping into a series where I can just pick that one up immediately. Well, that's a, that is kind of a gift of historicals. Like, often you don't have to do a ton of work. Probably don't read Daring and the Duke first. I didn't have the clarity about High Women until we were just recording. Yeah. But that's definitely it. It's the Raider, probably, for me. And it is ironic because I feel like it should be a masquerade ball Mm -hmm. that is that. But I actually don't think it is. I think it's, like, literally heroes dressed, like, masked as criminals, which will surprise absolutely no one. (laughs) This is... This week's therapy session. <laughs> Eighteen books in, I finally figured it out. <laughs> I am sort of shocked when we like dive into some of these old school tropes. Uh-huh. Like really, like the whole thing about like installing your buttons. Like really, like I'm like, oh yeah, this is where you know this why comes though, from. Jen. Yeah, I and I, I mean, like uh, this is going to sound so obvious, but romance novels are fucking great. And we have read a lot of them, <laughs> and we have, they have given us so much joy Oh God! at times in our life. And I think this is real. I think this is real for yeah. people like us who started reading them when we were teenagers, right? Or early, okay. like, tweens, right? Where that is a traumatic time of your life. Yeah. Right? You start reading romance novels at that point, and the things that give you joy give you such a straight shot of serotonin. Yes. That like forever, those are the things you search for. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I've been thinking a lot about that in light of the number of new romance readers who came to us during the pandemic. Yeah. Which was a deeply traumatic, continues to be a deeply traumatic time for so many of us. And the straight shot of joyful serotonin that they are getting is going to be, like, part of their DNA now. Yeah, absolutely. And so for gonna... us, that serotonin was high women yes. in historicals. 
for many of these readers, it is like fake dating in 2022. Pick your pleasure. Yeah, right. But try high women in historicals. This this Erica Ridley book, I like I started it. I started the sample because I was like, well, let me see. And then I I was like, click, click. I mean, I I, it completely great. I just couldn't put it down. And Great. you know when you're reading a book and you just like are smiling? Yeah. You've got the like, like, right? Awesome. I love it. I'm chasing the high of anywhere yeah. you go. Let me go too. Like, boom. Yeah. Well, that's Fate of Mates, everyone. We hope you loved us. Uh, you can come and see us live if you're in or around New York City, March 24th at the William Vale. Tickets at fatedmates.net slash live or check show notes. Thanks to this week's sponsor, Cassie Mint, author of The Stranger. You can find it in ebook at Amazon or with a monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend Jen Prokop. We hope you are reading something that gives you a straight shot of serotonin this week. Uh, we always want to hear about it. If you you can message us on Twitter at Fade or on Instagram at Fade Pod, or find us on Tumblr, Faded Dash Me. Have a great week, everybody.